Here I am, on my own, not walking with Sean behind me. There they are. Hey. Marshall, I brought, Hi, I brought your, your chair. That's you get really tired nice. You soon. got a little water thing in there for me and some, what yeah. is that stuff? This is your ticket. Oh, no, I'm the, the stuff I'm going to be drinking. This is medicine yeah. for your back. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. This is water for your skin. Oh, thank you. You're so yeah. thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. What do we do next? <laughs> you want to go in the museum? Oh, yeah, that's right. This is the traditional awkward intro that we don't <laughs> oh, want oh, to neglect just intro. because we're in public. We're in public. It's going to be different now. Hi, Stan. Hey, Marshall. This is the second time we've greeted each other today. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's actually like the third or fourth. Yeah, and I think we're getting better each time. I think this is the worst one. No, I think we should, we're getting better. I this think is the should, worst one. We should do several we've done more. It so many times already, it's getting boring. No? Yeah, well, no, the first few were way more energized yeah, and yeah. just like, like what up? Okay. <laughs> Hi, Stan. What up, dude? Welcome to the Draftsman Podcast. And what are we going to talk about today? I thought we started a while ago. We've done this intro about six or seven times. Now. I mean, that's great. Yeah, you just did another Default one just, just for fun. Every one of them gets just for better. Fun. We just did another one. Every one of them gets more relaxed. And the awkward intro, I think, should be a thing of the past. I mean, so you mean now there should be three awkward intros instead of no, one? No, no. There should be all really comfortable intros. You don't have to discuss. Okay, yeah. The uh, intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I liked that intro. That was amazing. I'm yeah. glad I met you. Yeah. At the okay. museum. What else happened? Okay, so you know what I really like about the Getty? Tell me. More than any other museum I've been to? What? It's the packaging. Elaborate. So, the experience begins before you get there. The whole time you're trying to, or you're, you're getting there is already part of the experience. So, you, you have to get onto this tram. Even before that. Before that. Well, when you're approaching the Getty, you're on the 405 coming from... from south of it you're on the 405 going up there and there is a city set on a hill and that is the getty museum so there is something yeah, about, that's where one, we're going to be we're going to go up to the top up of the hill yeah it's beautiful okay yeah it is I, I would say that the view from the getty is better oh but, sure okay so anyway from the parking lot you do your whole security thing you go and then you get onto the tram and then the tram right you're going up the side of this mountain and, you know, there's windows and if you sit in the very back, little tip, sit in the very back, the, the back has a window and you could, you get a much better view. Mm -hmm. And already you're, it feels like you're at like Disneyland and you're getting on a ride. So you're, you, you're kind of like on this journey up the mountain and you're like, wow, this is going to be cool. And you get a beautiful view. So you're already inspired by something that looks awesome. And yeah, it just feels like you're going to an amusement park instead of a boring museum. And the, <laughs> oh, brother! Not it is not a boring museum. It is not a boring. But museum. museums could feel boring if done the wrong way. This did not feel that way. It did not. That's what I'm saying. And also, the tram itself jostles you just a little, not like a roller coaster, but just <laughs> enough what? to where you feel like, okay, I'm okay. alive right now. You can't go to sleep on it if you're standing. I found. Okay. Yeah. I guess not. No. 
Sean was saying that the song on the tram is like an orchestrated song. Oh, yeah. That was definitely part of it. The music was super inspiring. They're like trying to get you pumped up. It feels like you're going on like Space Mountain or something. And it's like a different song <laughs> to and from. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Was there a song on the tram? Did you miss oh, it? Oh, yeah. There was a song. I don't remember it. We were talking about it. We're at the top of the mountain now, buddy. I love it here. Okay, so then you get up to the top of the... Yeah. Okay, so yeah, packaging. So first, the, the experience already starts and you're like, wow, this is cool. I'm on a roller coaster ride. And you get off and the building is amazing. It, like, the architecture is great. They definitely thought about everything outside the museum. Yeah. As an important part of the museum. To me, it's more memorable than, than the inside. Like, that's what I talk about every time I go to the kitty. It's like, man, it was beautiful out there. Yeah. <laughs> right? It is nice. Is I like, like that part of it. Yeah. It's not like you're having to wait. It's you're being given a gift of going up the side of this hill mm -hmm. to look out over Los Angeles and you are ascending. So, there is something like you are going up to a level where you're going to be away from the fray of the world and uh, you're yes. going to be looking at some really great old stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're not in LA anymore. You're just kind of yeah. looking down at it. You're above it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, to me, it kind of shows the importance of packaging. That It, it really doesn't matter what was in the museum. The, the, the work is awesome. Their collection is really good. But the, it shows the importance of packaging. And this is a kind of a lesson for everything. You have you and your art and the way you package it all, really important. Yeah. So, it's a bit of... Uh, of story. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of this is an adventure. None of the things we saw inside uh -huh. are better than this. Be okay. No, I like honestly though. Like what the emotion you get standing here looking at that versus the emotion you get at looking at a single painting. You're making an argument against art. What I'm saying is that the experience the artist had when they were painting those things and when they looked at them and they experienced the actual thing that we saw, uh -huh. that's a much better experience than looking at the painting they created afterwards. Okay. In most cases. I love that mountain range. But if you painted it, it would, I would I not wouldn't enjoy looking look at, at your it, painting yeah. more than I do looking at no. the real thing. If I painted it, I wouldn't either. Oh. And the sound of the cars. Oh. oh. This is, look at the cast shadow <laughs> of the one foothill against the other foothill. Now you're getting a little too nerdy. But it's beautiful. I know that the people listening won't see it, but it's a must. Keep going. What other things? Uh, things about what? That stood out to you about the museum or about our Well, our you experience. mentioned you mentioned how the steps make you feel lighter. <laughs> In all truth, these steps have an energizing quality. Have you noticed that as you walk up them, it's easier to walk up these steps? Yeah. Than it is traditional steps? For sure, yeah. It's almost like you're not walking up steps at all. Yeah, they're designed with a... It's either a magic spirit that they got into the steps, or it's just a good design. And man, that got, the rug got pulled out from under the steps with your experience. I felt strange walking up the steps. Mm -hmm. It felt like, I'm not used to this shape of a step. Mm -hmm. 
I want to see what you meant by the, the stairs being easy to walk on. Okay. It's because they're so small. You tell us how you feel. This is worse. It's worse? This is worse. Well, I'm sorry your experience here is not what we hoped I'm it would be. I'm expecting them to be a little taller and I'm like... It's feeling a little heavier than usual then, huh? I feel heavier than usual, yeah. So the, what, this, is, this is probably good because it's countercultural. Everyone else walks up those steps, feels light. You feel heavy. You're, you've got a special sensitivity. <laughs> In secret societies, I'm told, you have to go through initiations uh -huh. that, that reorient you to time. It's putting, you know, blindfolds, spinning around, uh, all, all that kind of thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's to make it so that you are, your old orientation is gone. Now we have a new orientation. You are entering a new world. And so those steps might be a mild version of the way you're used to going upstairs, it's yeah. different now. Okay. Time slows down. You just just submit to the gradual incline mm -hmm. and the longer slope, and yeah. you'll be in a state of emotional vibe up at the yeah. top of ready to look at art. Cool. Yeah, well, I, I understand the intent there. It's easier to lift, lift your leg when yeah. the steps are shorter. So, anyway... <laughs> Maybe we over, maybe I oversold. Maybe no. Yeah. I'm sure some people have that experience. Yeah, I have, I've had that yeah. experience. I initially took the elevator. <laughs> oh, because that's I had a, right. Because you had a stroller. I had a stroller, and, so yeah. I only tried it after you pointed it out, and then but, I had it in the back of my mind the whole time. The elevator alone, though, if you were to that take was somebody, another experience. It's, yeah, tell us about the elevator. Well, so the elevator, you so elevators usually feel like a claustrophobic box, right? You walk in and it's just like you're in a piece of metal. This one, you walk in and three of the walls are actually just like a round yeah. window. Yeah. In, and only the, the doors are flat. Yeah. But you walk out and you, you get like a view of the city again. The elevator up to the Getty is spatial and palatial and really beautiful and with a view. I like elevators that are just like a big glass window. It's just, it's, yeah. It feels like another ride. It does. So, do you know this place? I know this place so well. I've been here like 60, 70 times. No, really? I really have, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What, 60 or 70? Yeah. How many times have you been, there, been here this year? Oh, this year? I haven't been here at all this year. I haven't been here since so cool, well man. before the lockdown. Wow. Yeah. And so I and can act as a tour guide if you want me to. Yeah. Well, Stan. Yeah? You're a portrait artist. I. I was at one point in my life. And so to look at these oh my God, portraits from like half a millennium ago. Don't be too what close. What the heck? This is like 10 times smaller than I thought it was. Some of them are, yeah. This is like a stamp, a post, a postcard. Or what do you call those Careful things? Careful about getting too close. This oh, is they, the Getty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they can descend on you. Okay. It's what if I actually touch it? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to you be a security guard. <laughs> that is crazy detail, though. I, I had no idea it was that small. They found out at the Met that the average amount of time that a person spent in front of a painting was 17 seconds. And it For feels, painting? Yeah. It feels wrong to me. It wait, feels, wrong, but it feels, wait a minute. That sounds right. Like, that feels longer than I would actually expect. They well, need to give a different number. The average amount spent at a painting that people actually stopped 
oh, and where they stop and look, look at, at it. it. Yeah. Because if I just walk by for two seconds, that counts in my average. Well, Rob Walker in his book, The Art of Noticing, where I got that fact from, didn't elaborate on how the test was done, but the 17 second thing still feels wrong. I feel like any picture. Why is that wrong? Because it feels like 10 minutes or, or even a half hour. But I guess we can't do that on a podcast. That is impossible. Okay, well, think yeah, yeah, about yeah. it, Marshall. There's like hundreds of paintings here. How many hours do we have? Just do the math. Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. Your, you get the same average. Can we come back here for a full week and then just edit down the best part? No. Okay, let, let's, let's keep myself. going. Oh, look at this beautiful drawing over here. The first room we went to was the Holbein portraits. We're talking about the better part of 500 years ago. And they are amazing portraits, but they tended to all be of German dignitaries. Mm -hmm. They were really detailed, really refined, all people of a type and all of an era where there was not a lot of variety in style compared to the 19th century. In the 19th century in Europe, the variety starts to, uh, it really starts to begin. I want to stop for a moment. Okay. I want to read this. You want to read it? Yeah, yeah. Sure you're an expert. Not, not read it out loud. Are you going to say this stuff as you go in? Is that, you're going to yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, you I'll can read it and then we'll do like a, a, a voiceover as you're walking, I pretending could. that you're explaining this. You want me to? Yeah, like when Holbein, the younger, emerged. Hans Holbein, the younger, emerged on the competitive European artistic scene in 1515. Portraiture had only recently become fashionable among wealthy patrons outside royal and aristocratic circles. A versatile artist with exceptional skills as a draftsman and painter. Oh my God. Holbein rendered the physical appearance of a variety of sitters with great precision while his ingenious compositions conveyed their values and ideals. I'm, I'm bored. I can tell. This is... I'm not. I'm not. There was this moment where we walk into the highlights room. Mm-hmm. And to me, it felt like th this was cool because I've never been to a room in a museum where they just take all their best stuff and put it in one room. Mm -hmm. That was pretty awesome because it was such a big variety of styles it was. and eras. Marshall, such a contrast between just all the different periods. They, they, they put all these together in the same room. It's like very rare to see this kind of I love right? this. Like you go right here, there's an impressionist, yeah. which is like giant strokes. Yeah. And then you have uh, Bougereau. I know. Right? It's right next to it. It's kind of this, crazy. It, this is just wonderful. I could spend weeks in here. Seeing two very different things right next to each other was pretty cool. Yeah. It showed the, it showed the uniqueness of each one. Whereas yeah. if you're in a room and, and like you get like 30 paintings by the same dude and they're all portraits, like, yeah, okay, cool. I get it. Van Gogh in there, and Millet in there, and Caspar David Friedrich in there. The Bouguereau. And, uh, the Bouguereau in there. Yeah, you had just all sorts of Degas was in there. You had a number of paintings that, by contrast to coming from the Holbein position. Pardon? The Amatadema was in there, yeah. yeah. That so one's worth, that's worth a whole day. That's worth a week of studies for all of the worlds within worlds of that one. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that was my favorite. But that was, we only went to two shows. 
We went to the yeah. Holbein show and we went to, we didn't see, we saw about 3% of what they have there, two or 3% of what they have on display because they've got several other buildings, yeah. including buildings that aren't in that, that little plaza. They've got a building that, uh, where they have special shows uh, elsewhere. So we didn't see much of the museum. Well, to your point, it really does require like 10 trips. It does. To most museums to really see everything. Otherwise, you're just running through every museum or every, right. every room. Even if you're not doing a podcast, which I don't recommend that you do a podcast from a museum, but if you're going to go there for fun, more than one day at a museum that is that full of interesting things. Any other impressive paintings in there that stand out to you in memory? Well, the first one that you see when you walk into the highlights room is the Alma Tadema painting. It's really mm. tall. It's called Spring. Spring. Spring, yeah. Um, it's very tall, just amazing composition. So we, we, we had a little conversation about that. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It works on every level. Oh. That's another one. We're standing in front of that with students because that is in their permanent collection. And I've stood in front well, of it with students. That whole, the highlights room is all, all of it was. Yeah. 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 So you can go there to the Getty anytime and see the Alma Tadema. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at it. This is a really beautiful painting. Even oh. a reproduction of it is worth a few hours, but when you're in front of the original, you can see and almost feel the layers of paint. And there's no glass over the top of it, I don't mm -hmm. think. No. And look at how many different contexts go on in there. You've got this shiny part around this duller part. You've got these less busy parts, and then a whole bunch of busy stuff going on in there. And the variations of darks and lights and crowded and less crowded and warms and cools and impasto paint and transparent paint. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a whole theme park. Well, you know what I like about it though, is that we are at the level of these people. Yeah. And you, as the painting goes up, it's going farther away from us. So it's meant to be viewed. Yes. At looking close at the bottom, not yeah. like up here. And is there's it, actual distance going up. Is it my imagination or is there less impasto as it goes up? Does it look like it's getting Oh yeah, exactly. Thinner? It's yeah. it's getting the values are getting more subtle. Like there's yeah. there's less way less contrast. The, like you can see the blacks up there are just like a mid-gray. Yeah, there's less impasto. That's what I mean, but there's actual distance. There's like uh, atmospheric perspective happening going up the painting instead of into the painting. The title of this painting is Spring, and it celebrates the beauty and fecundity of youth. Mm. Ah, yes. Okay. The beauty <laughs> and fecundity of Keep youth. Going. All right, let's go. We have exceeded our 17 seconds. Oh, man. <laughs> it was rough to try to do a podcast from there. It was kind of a That's mistake true. to try to do a podcast. At a yeah, museum. I told you, you so. Did you? Not tell to me? say I told you so, but I told you so. Did you tell me so? When you first brought up the idea, I highly suggested not to do it. Gosh, I remember it differently. This was months and months and months ago. I know it was like at the beginning of this year. Yeah, yeah. and then you kept bringing it up. I kept bringing it You're up. You're like the museum thing. I'm like, so okay. My, my memory is flawed because I'm. Oh really? Yeah, I remember you saying, "Great idea, <laughs> the museum, Marshall. Let's do that." Maybe I'm flawed <laughs> in my memory. <laughs> no, I told you that I've done this before. I've gone to the museum with Caesar Santos. Yeah, and. Like, it would turn out all right. Like, it's yeah. fine. But it's like, you know, we're, we're at a museum and we're just talking about, like, 
Yeah, now that you're thinking, do you remember that? Yeah, now that you're mentioning it, you did say, "No, I don't think it'll work." No, I don't think it'll work. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're but I was like, "All right, you know what? Yeah, you want to go to a museum? Let's explore. Let's try this out. Let's see we what did happens. it. We did it. We, we tried and yeah. we failed." Did you see yeah. the brushstrokes on this one? I've stood in front of this one it's and like noticed every little brushstroke is actually really thick. It's cool to look at it from the side. Yeah, because you can see it sticking out. Yeah, no. The problem is we're trying to talk about art on a podcast while we're looking at art. Yeah. And so it's better know, for a vlog. Well, yeah, it's better for a vlog, but still I think it requires the right people to do it. And I'm not the right person. Yeah. It's I, it's it's more of a criticism towards me. I'm not the guy to to give you a tour of a museum. Yeah. Just not. But you, you could be. You got the look. You got the energy. You got the <laughs> okay. Yeah. The Wait, what's the look? The look is that you're you're bright and your eyes are open. You're energetic and you're you're young and yeah, yeah. you've got you've got the look. Okay. To do it, yeah. thanks. But you just didn't have the uh, what's the word? The insight. The or oh, <laughs> it might be the interest. Well, the interest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we set it up that mm -hmm. it sucked mm -hmm. because now they have low expectations. Yeah. So, so now if there's anything good in there, it'll stand oh, out yeah. by contrast of our, <laughs> <laughs> but Hey, it was fun. It was, it was fun. It was fun when Cooper, uh, uh, went wild at the end and at the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Nice. Nice yeah. little hook there. You got to stay to the end. How about you? What do you have in your brain thoughts? Well, I agree with you that it was not a good idea to try to do this. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad we tried, and it did remind me going there and seeing that museum again. Just reminds me that if I could, I'd go there once a week or three or four days out of the week uh, at a time, because I love what's in there. But you know, I, it didn't occur to me until we started looking at paintings and talking about them. And you made some really good comments about the Bouguereau. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I feel like you're sarcastic. No, I I felt that they were. You were talking about well, what skin Charlie tone can play it. The, the skin tones and the points of contrast and all those things. Those were really insightful. I was thinking, Ooh. oh, this is going to be good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was like that was well into it though, wasn't it? I I know, but then afterwards you explained that people listening to it aren't going to be able to see that. It's, right. Oh, they can yeah. click. We can put a link to the image, but yeah. So in the description, there'll be links to images that we're talking about. Yeah. Stan, it says that it's a girl defending herself against love. She's very happy to do uh, so. Yeah, I, I think she knows she's going to give in. She's like, no, stop it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to work for it. Yeah. There's too much delight and mischief <laughs> in that defense. He's a painter yeah. you like a lot, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've. Any, anytime I'm struggling with flesh tones, I, I like look at him. What do you notice about what he does with flesh tones? The, the subtlety in the color shifts um, is what really impresses me. Obviously the edge work and I mean the, the subtlety of everything is really impressive with yeah. him, but like I would look at like how does he get how, how does he handle the color transitions? to make it look like real skin. Like it feels real. It does. Right? It doesn't feel like painted skin. It feels like real skin. You can almost feel the temperatures of it. Yeah. Like there's blood rushing through that skin. Yeah. 
So, you know, just zoom in on an area and be like, wow, man, he's got so much color in there. And it's super subtle. Um, I really enjoy his hands and feet. And that's mostly like a lot of shape design that he, yeah. he, he puts a little bit of more contrast in the hands and feet than he does in the, in the torsos. He does. And it makes them pop. And it's such a subtle difference that you wouldn't really notice, but... I'm noticing it now that you're pointing it out. Look at that. Look at the left foot of love and look at the right fingers of the girl. But even the ones that are in shadow, the feet on the ground, yeah. are so beautifully rendered. Yeah, no, and even whispered. these are, have more contrast yeah. than the body up here. Yeah. Look at the highlights right there. Yeah. You don't see highlights like that anywhere on there. Yeah. And then when you step back and get the small version of it, the composition is beautiful. It just couldn't be better. The way that whole tree goes up there and swirls and you've got love encapsulated by that. And she's fairly isolated, but her hair up there is starting to get caught into the thing. And yeah. Let's They're actually at the Getty. That's Are they at the Los Getty? Angeles That's Los Angeles? Back. That's Los Angeles, yeah. Back before it was covered with buildings and asphalt. Let's well, you can't see the... Now that you mention it, that is. I recognize... in the sky. Smoke Valley. Yeah. Look at that mountain. I mean, that's... That's Bel Air down there. You, know? you have enlightened me. Yeah. I came in here with less awareness than I have now. And it's thanks to you. You should hang out with me more often. I have stood in front of that image with students, including students who became much better painters than me. And part of the way they became better painters than me was by standing in front of that image and other Bougaros and talking about the things you were talking about. Mm -hmm. His use of skin tones, his use of subtlety, his use of whispering and then raising his voice with how he defines things in there. That is just mm -hmm. uh, any of his paintings are such marvelous pieces of craft that all painting students should not just see reproductions, but those are some of the ones where seeing the originals makes a big difference because you're looking at the paint and the layers of paint in a way that's harder to see in a production or even not possible. Yeah. So I was getting excited about it there. I was saying, okay, we're getting in the groove. We're getting a podcast out of this. Mm -hmm. And then you pulled the rug out from under that moments later of, oh, we better not talk about any more paintings then, better aren't we? I was just getting concerned mm -hmm. about doing too much of just like talking about details of paintings yeah. that we need to we need to find ways to make this more lively. I, I figured that since we were in public, we'd do less arguing, and it didn't work out that way. No, was, we did more. Yeah, we did more. But yeah. you know, we'll just take that out. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we'd run. We with agreed it. on everything. Yeah, I was hoping we'd have an argument about that. Okay. Okay, yeah, we agreed on everything. Yeah, it was just so harmonious. <laughs> Cut to. Um, Marshall, what's going on here? What's, what is this? this that is, is a Degas after the bath kind of picture. So is this what happens after you take a bath? No, I haven't taken a bath in a long time. I do showers. But I can tell. Yeah. I was going to say. He's getting a little stinky. A little aromatic <laughs> for the museum. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like, what happens after a bath? 
And what's wrong with her well, hip? There's a number of things that can happen after a bath, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I want to read this. After the bath, radically challenged 19th century conventions for depicting the nude into a richly colored, heavenly, heavily manipulated surface in which the artist's own fingerprints there are visible. So do you see could, the fingerprints? Yeah, which we could steal his identity. No, seriously, there's I the fingerprints. I, I, I seriously see it. But you know, that description that you just read, yeah. this is what it sounds like to me. Tell me. They're writing to their peers uh, instead of to the general public. I'm trying to see it through that lens, and I do understand that reading artist statements started to turn me so off so much in university that I got to where I could not read artist statements without just feeling like the satirist in me would would well up. Mm -hmm. It's like, why why say all that? Why not just let the work speak for itself? But uh, I always read the placards. <laughs> they did a show of Turner's work here six or so, six or seven years ago. And uh, I had not seen many of his originals. Mm -hmm. And there was a way in which he works so loosely and so... It looks like a sketch. It does. But it's just like on a larger scale. Yeah. Listen to the poetry, poetic language. Okay. He envisioned the city through a shimmering veil of memory and imagination. No. Ah. Okay, I mean, that, that's a pretty good description of what I'm looking at. Yeah. I don't have any, <laughs> anything bad to say about that sentence. Nice frame, though. It doesn't look like he did it from life. It doesn't. Because it's, it's just got this shimmering inaccuracy veil. about it, right? Yeah. Where it was like, oh, yeah, there was a goat there, but that, that's probably not what it looked like. Right? Like, he, he just kind of placed it. It's like a stamp of a goat or something. It's, it even seems like the, the layout of the city in perspective has multiple yeah. uh, offsets in, the whole in world its is, level. Is, yeah. Is, is not on the same Earth plane. And now that we're talking about that and looking at it, it gives me a kind of appreciation of taking liberties to give it a mood. Mm -hmm. The shimmering veil of dreams. Okay, well now that sounds like a bunch of BS. Thank you. But memory and imagination. Yeah. A, a veil, seen through a veil of memory and imagination, that's actually pretty cool. I'm gonna it use that. Disappears <laughs> into the unctuous Porvoden. Okay. Are you. Do you work for the museum? Yeah, I'm going I'm to work on this. I'm going to write some copy that's going to keep you entertained. What would you say about this one? Oh, that's a, that's a Monet haystack. I know it's Monet, but what would you... Don't read it, don't read it. Okay, I won't read what it. What would you say? Here's what I'd say. Yeah. Well, I know too much about it already. That's, uh, well, yeah, okay, that's yeah, but good, but you don't know what that says over right, there. No, I don't know what it says. So give me a like little okay. like one paragraph poetic description of it. Is it when you look at stuff in life, you can look at it quickly and say, that's a, a hut or a haystack or whatever it is, and say, good, it's no threat to me. I like it. I'm glad it's there and move on. But if you're in a mood to contemplate it, you might look at it and notice how much more color is in there than you noticed at first glance and how in the shadow areas 
there's some shimmer-like light, and that a haystack, when a frame is around it, and someone who has taken the care and has the skill in painting to show it the way they want me to see it, they can open my eyes up to it, and the warmth of the light behind it feels warm because this painter has emphasized the warmth and the little bit of shade there. If I were to take a whole afternoon to hang out in that shade, I'd really be thankful for that shade. And I can keep going. Mm. Is this enough? I was imagining you'd, you'd use way more like metaphors and stuff, like the freckles on the hut show well, its uniqueness. There is something like that. It's to where it, when you're close to a person, you get to know every aspect of their skin. And this has got a quality like that. And I took the time to really pay attention to this. There's another thing, is that we are visually more sensitive to greens and blues because our eyes just can tell the difference between them. When it comes to oranges and yellows and warm colors, we don't tend to notice because it just says danger, get away quickly. Mm. And this, this is someone who's taken the time to look into the shadow side and really distinguish between all the little variations of color within a warm shadow. Uh, let's read what's written. Let's oh see, yeah, let's, let's see, see how, how close you got. got. Yeah. Complex color harmonies, hey man. Densely encrusted paint. Range of atmospheric and seasonal effects from the same simple static motif. That's better than what you wrote. Yeah, it is. <laughs> see? These people make their living, Stan. I want to see if I can rewrite any of these to entertain you. Rewrite uh, what? Uh, these placards and, and actually uh, and get it. I'm, I want to see if I can get an AI to write it better than you. No. So I, I, I just said, write a sophisticated description of Claude Monet's painting, Wheat Stacks, Snow Effect Morning. That's the title of the painting. Okay. The painting depicts a snow-covered field with wheat stacks dotting the landscape. The field is immersed in the morning light, its natural beauty intensified by the snow. I like that. I'm going to try one more thing and I'm going to say write a sophisticated poem about Claude Monet's painting. Poem? Oh wow, look. Oh, wow. The morning sun paints the world in gold and the snow is slowly melting as if they were Claude's painting, as if they were Claude's... Claude Monet. Claude... As if they were Claude's painting. It says it twice. As if they were Claude's paintings. As if they were Claude's paintings. <laughs> That's oh. pretty fun. So after we had seen... We, we went through the galleries and it was an, an epic fail. Mm -hmm. I was mostly curious about, okay, what's the right way to do this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you go to museums a lot, you take your students there, and so you know about the right way to do it. So I, I questioned you. I when I take my it. students there, it is work, it is a job. It's an mm -hmm. enjoyable job, but it is work. It's a whole different thing. I think that Rob Walker's book, The Art of Noticing, is a good influence on someone who wants to learn from museums because he's got a whole bunch of suggestions in there mm. for how you can be more observant and some some lenses to look at things through yeah. that are useful. I have not gone through the whole book, but I spent a few weeks going through just the first few chapters, first maybe uh, 20 or 30 pages. I was very impressed with it. 
So yeah, that would be a good accompaniment to a museum. Marshall. Yeah. So you said that you take your students to museums quite often. You said you've been here 60 to 70 times. Probably 40 or 50 of those times were field trips with field classes. Trips. Yeah. Okay, so I want to know what do you guys do? What do you have your students do when you're here? What do you tell them? Do you give them an assignment? Sometimes. What? Explain yourself. Let me tell you the main thing I have learned about doing trips to the museum with classes. Yeah. Is that you don't try to control anything. Oh, so you it's, literally just don't do anything as a teacher. That uh, is a really yes. good... Let, let, let me, let me <laughs> elaborate. Such lazy teaching. I would never have thought you would do this. It is a, it is a bad experience to try <laughs> oh, to speak more. to people in a public environment uh -huh. where there are a million distractions. Uh -huh. And so what we what I learned to do is to make it a free-for-all and here is the rule the rule is you do not have to hang around with me or other students you can go anywhere you want but we'll check in twice somewhere about halfway through and then toward the end and we'll talk about what we saw what we liked or didn't like, okay. give a little report. Because that's the part that, that really is something you actually control. So what do you talk about again? Even if you say, we're here at noon, we'll meet at three, and then we'll meet at five. Yeah. And, and if people don't show up at three or they don't show up at five, it's fine. And okay. the reason why is because sometimes at a museum, you find something you like and you want to spend a whole hour just in that room or just with that piece. Yeah. And to to say, all right, we're going to spend five minutes on this or ten minutes, for one person to control it. Right. I don't like doing it that way. Okay, but generally, the assignment is go do whatever you want, look at stuff, come back and we'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Okay, so what... I'm, I'm sure that when everybody gathers back, not everybody, a few people are still in the bathroom. Yeah. What do you ask them first. Uh, first thing I ask is anything you liked? Anything you got excited <laughs> nope. about? <laughs> nope. And if a person says nope, okay, well, we'll try another museum <laughs> really? or come Has back to another talk. Has anyone... Um, Do you try to usually. lecture them on why they're wrong? No, no. <laughs> no. no. And it's different at different museums. This museum is so famous for its views and the architecture. Right and the design of the museum, that is a topic on its own. This museum is all older art. Norton Simon is all older art. LA County Museum has, has modern art, different conversations. Natural History Museum is you've got a gem and mineral collection in there that is worth many days of just hanging around with the gem and mineral collection. Uh, bones galore, you know, animal anatomy. Bones galore. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Natural History Museum is the place you go with the with the uh, animal anatomy class, yeah, every museum's different. So I go to museums over and over so that I get to know them. And then the enthusiasm of the love of this museum, hey, let's hang out, go look at it, mm -hmm. and then get together about what we like. So that's the first question is, what did you like? And that usually is the only question you've got to ask. Man. You really do try to make your job as easy as yeah. possible. 
it builds around mutual enthusiasm. Do you have someone else ask the question for you? Because no, that no, would I be going the, all the way. I take responsibility. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can outsource yourself, you know. Well, here's what here's what always happens is that somebody will be excited about one thing, another person will be excited about another thing, another person about another and you end up coming back over and over and over. That's why I've been here 70 plus times. Is that there are some rooms in here uh, that have furniture from the to sit on. <laughs> no, no, you don't sit on that furniture. <laughs> some rooms that Getty have chairs. The rooms of furniture that are worth hanging. Some of it's decadent, that French rococo overly ornate stuff but it's so it's so marvelous to look at it I think people people who have the money and the and the uh, the taste of indulging in this kind of thing uh, I don't I just don't get tired of it I love the museum and so that's what I that's why I do museum field trips mm -hmm. is to share something that I just like to go to once a week uh, once did I a answer week? your question? Yeah. Well, you really. No, 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 no. We don't go to them every week. Oh. But I wish. I, I wish like, we could say dude. one day a week is a museum trip in LA. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. I was expecting to get more. Tell me more. Tell me what you were expecting. Give me. Well, I was expecting that you, you would give them more guidance. Oh. But okay. I mean, that is also enlightening to know that. It's the is the complete opposite of that. No, 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 it isn't. It's not. Here's the here's the other side of it. Oh, okay. There's more. Somebody will say, "Did you see that that thing of of Perseus, Medusa? Did you see that painting of Buber? Did you see that Alma Tadema?" And we say, "Yes." And what did you notice about it? And then eventually, we will go over to that painting and start talking about it like you and I did about the Buber. What you see in it. Okay. So yeah, it can turn into that. Mm. Now, there's more. Should I keep there's going? More. Yes. <laughs> You're interviewing this me. Is, well, I had a question for you, and we're still on the question. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I teach composition, we boil composition down to a few things, but three major things for all creativity is how is one thing like another? Comparisons give insight. Another is how are they divided into contrasting pairs? How are, how are things different enough to where we say you could arrange with those differences? And then the third thing is, do I like this? Am I enjoying this? A student about 20 years ago who took the composition class, who lived in San Diego, said, I'd like to spend a day at the Getty with you and we'll just go through the composition principle. I said, okay, you drive and I'll pay for parking. So we came up here and we spent a day, like even at the fountains alone, and noticing how the fountains have water that is constantly moving that's and true. rock that stays solid. Uh -huh. But so that's a compositional. That's 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 a uh, noticing of how they're different. Yeah. But the rock gets reflections in it because the water sprays into it. So the rocks that are holding still look like they're moving a little bit because of the reflections. And then the shape of the, the, uh, the fountains, if you look at them at one moment or another, they're shaped a lot like the rock. When you have your students go and do whatever, mm -hmm. and you just have your own little free no work day, what do you go do at the museum? I hang <laughs> around and look at what I want to look at. Uh -huh. 
And if other students say, he's gonna spend 20 minutes or a half hour on that, they go off and look at where they, but some of them will look at the same pieces. But there is, there is a kind of a rule yeah. that it's okay to zone in, to get into the zone and really look at a piece. Yeah. Uh, and that when somebody is in that zone, to acknowledge it. Acknowledge it where? What do you that, mean? That, that, that person's really into this picture. That, that person's really into looking at this sculpture. That person's How do they drawing. Acknowledge it? They acknowledge it by not interrupting. Oh. That to you, go up to you, someone yeah. and just start talking about yeah. lunch. So, yeah, what, did you, what do you do when you go to a museum? When I go to a museum, there's a few ways to do it. One is to quickly get the lay of the land and walk through a room and see what's in this room. And then gradually, like an establishing shot shows you the whole shot, gradually get into the conversation that you care about, gradually get into the images that you care about. And I like spending so much time on one piece that I even stayed in a hotel one night at the, right across the street from Natural History Museum so I could have all day one day and all day the next day to myself just to go into some rooms and not have a conversation, and I really, really enjoyed it. Which paintings did you look at? It was, they were not paintings at the Natural History what, Museum. What was it? Uh, they were some, uh, well, there were a number of things. It was the Gem and Mineral Room was, was a, a major minerals. one there, okay. yeah. Uh, there was the uh, undersea life stuff, which they've since revamped. Natural History Museum has so many of those dire wolf skulls. I think they've got a wall of two or 200 or 400, you know what I'm talking about? Of those dire wolf skulls. And this is stuff that they pulled out of the tar pits over in the direction of downtown LA. This sprawling so metropolis used to be covered with open land. Now it is covered with concrete and asphalt and buildings and highways serving criminals and police officers alike. When you go to a museum, you could either go there for inspiration or you can go there to learn. Yeah. Right, what do you do? Uh, both. And it just depends on mood and who I'm with. Some people don't want to spend a day at the museum noticing principles of design for how they can. Right, yeah. Which is one reason why it's hard to go to the museum with kids. Who should you not go to a museum with? Well, didn't we talk about that when we yeah. were sitting down? That Talking about the kids. Going with Who else? children. Who well, else did you not go to The worst people with? to go to a museum with is a person who I have a relative who once said, if I don't have to go to another museum before I die, I'll be glad about that. Uh-huh. You don't want to go to a museum with a person <laughs> like that. So go with people who want to go. Yeah. And I don't enjoy going to museums with people who are quickly bored. Because there children. is there is something about adult taking children a lot of time yeah taking a <laughs> lot of time in a room or with a piece that is really to me what the mm -hmm. value of it is. Have you gone with non artists and enjoyed it? Oh yeah. Okay. I've gone with some non artists who are just interested and are the type of people uh, musicians. Writers, no, think, no, non artists. They, they don't count. No, non creatives. Think. Those yeah, are artists. Yeah. I, uh, I went with a cousin who has nothing to do with uh, art at all. Uh -huh. And we spent a whole day. It was really enjoyable because he was just so interested in it and good company. There are some people who are just good company. Yeah. And they know that if you want to go zone out for an hour or two in a room, that I'll find something else to do. So, yeah, it is a social thing. Mm -hmm. And 
we may have already mentioned this. The fact that the images are vertical and that you are standing in front of them in the presence of another person or two, perhaps, mm -hmm. makes a difference in the experience. It is different what do you from mean? looking at it in a book. What if the book is vertical? Well, you can put the book up vertical, but it's not the, the, the way a museum is set up is that you've got a picture that is like a person in the room that you're standing in front of. There's a difference in that posture and that experience than, or okay. even, even than huddling around a screen. The, the room is designed to look at the pictures on the wall. There is something yeah. about that that I really enjoy that. I wonder if there's a better design for museums. There I may, mean, there they're, they're designed that way because pictures go on walls. Right. Right? But... Well, these immersive, hmm. I haven't been to any of these immersive things of experience Van Gogh by being inside it. You know about what? that? You <laughs> haven't, you haven't seen that? Inside the van. Those have been all, <laughs> dude, you should van. turn your van Sketchy into van a Van Gogh. Gogh. That's, that's not a bad idea. And a van Gogh. you go and you experience Van Gogh. Do you all and know you're you're what I'm talking Gogh. about? I know what you're talking no, about. No, I don't know. What are you talking about? I know what you're talking about. Who? How do you experience Van Gogh by being inside of it? It's like a virtual reality Van Gogh. Is that correct? It's like projected on the... Yeah, yeah. It's projected or it's you put on a headset and it takes you through a 3D world that is I don't know. I've like never been Van to one Gogh yet. World. Uh, oh, okay. Akira Kurosawa did a film called Dreams. Okay. And two of, the, two of these little vignettes in this film are not to be missed. The final one and also the one where Martin Scorsese plays Van Gogh. And I, I won't say any more, but if you think about it, going to a movie is sitting in an auditorium, which is like a museum in that it's ritualized. And you've got a big vertical thing and you go into that world, only now you have a much more of a sense of being alone because you're in a completely darkened room and your consciousness has gone through into the other side of that, that frame. These immersive experiences in great artists that they're doing at museums around here, whether they take or don't remains to be seen, but I'm sure that the museum experience will evolve. How could it not with virtual reality? Yeah. The lockdown brought a lot of that. These museums were saying, you know, go look at our 360 degree yeah. photographs of what it looks like in the museum. And now they're starting to make it even more interactive. Well, the future of museums. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure someone will figure out how to make that a good experience. I, I doubt it exists right now where a virtual reality experience is any better than a going to the museum. But there, there has, I have been to like the Met, for example, there are some rooms in it where... It's not a single box room with art on the outsides. Mm -hmm. It's arranged differently. It's more like a library where you got these aisles and you kind of zigzag through them. It's interesting. And everything is much closer. Yeah. It's like, it's like a library, you, you, right. but they're, they're, they're not bookshelves. They're, it's a library of just these vertical walls. Yeah. And yeah, you just zigzag through and it's like, because they have so many portraits, they have to just fill the room with these vertical walls and you kind right. of zigzag through. Otherwise, they just couldn't fit all that stuff on, a, on the perimeter of the room. Right. And it felt overwhelming. There were so too much. many aisles. I was like, holy crap. It just takes like 10, 10 times longer to get through a room because the inside of the room is filled with mm -hmm. more art. Mm -hmm. You've ne have you never seen, been in a gallery arranged that way? No, but I'm realizing that out of all these years, I've never given any thought to 
Elena. the possibilities of museum design okay. and that that's other people's jobs and that I feel a bit like the kid who likes movies but doesn't know anything about how a movie is made. Uh, the design of a museum is a big deal mm -hmm. and we're talking about it very much from the consumer end, yeah. the, the visitor's end. I mean, personally, I, I, my experience has been best when you have paintings in the perimeter and then some sculpts or some 3D things yeah. on the inside and then a few benches in front of key pieces that you can sit down and like look for a while. Yeah. Hey, there's another fact about the Getty that they have a collection that is beyond belief that they don't keep on permanent display. They regularly do drawing shows mm -hmm. and I, in looking at these over the last, whatever it's been, uh, 20 years or so, 20, 20 plus years at that particular Getty Center, they bring them out of their vaults and put them on display for a few months at a time mm -hmm. in darkened rooms. Really old drawings. Why darkened rooms? Because of the sensitivity to light. Of the paper? Yes. So they've had a number of original Da Vinci drawings, some of some of Da Vinci's most famous drawings and, and Durer drawings. They had a thousand year old book there just a couple years ago. So they keep the lights low, but those are not on permanent display. That means that if you are if you are fortunate enough to travel to LA regularly or live near it and you go there regularly, you'll start to see that their collection is not only much richer, it has some of the great treasures of art history that they bring out periodically. That's cool. That maybe shouldn't mention that because not everybody can come to it and it's just a, hey, well, LA a lot of people travelogue I mean, advertisement. It's still good for people to know that. Yeah. It could inform when you want to go. Do they post that on, online? Like yes. which, what drawing show is on display? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. All you got to do is type the word Getty into your browser and it will probably finish it to getty.edu and take you to the yeah. center and the villa. But and then you the got to find the yeah. drawing display. It's not hard to find. But not I don't know how to use the internet. <laughs> you will learn. You're young. You've got this ahead of you. I learned it after I was 30, so you can do it. I'll try. Okay. Cooper will show you. <laughs> he will. <laughs> what are your favorite museums? Well, the Getty Center is my favorite place uh -huh. and the Getty Villa is another wonderful place. It has the ancient art, the older stuff. This is a totally separate museum. It's a totally separate museum and it was the original Getty and it's in Malibu, Pacific Palisades. Beautiful place, yeah. wonderful place I've never to been there. Out. It's right by the bit, right on the ocean. Uh, that's cool too. Wait, does, does it also have like an outside experience kind of thing? Not so much. No, no you don't, you don't, don't have to like boogie board into... <gasps> No, <laughs> nothing like that. No. It was his house at one point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. There's another place that was a rich guy's house, the Huntington Library and Gardens. Really beautiful grounds. Mm -hmm. that, Japanese gardens. I've been there. Yeah. That's that's really awesome. Yeah. It's mostly mostly British art, really high craft kind of Yeah. That one I I, I like the gardens part yeah. of it more than yeah. the art. But uh, and then there's the Norton Simon, which I think has the best collection that mm -hmm. is permanently there. But unfortunately, it's right at the intersection of two freeways. So the moment you step out, you're breathing fumes and you're hearing the sound of traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, but they've got a bunch of Rodans out in the area where you don't even have to pay to go in, just out in the er area near the entrance. In fact, that John the Baptist piece of sculpture that we looked at in the Getty, the full 
standing version of him is there. And his Rodin thinker is there. In fact, Christian and I hung out there and took some video of the thinker. Great sculpture right outside the Norton Simon Museum. And then when you go in, uh, the lower level has the really old stuff. So, Marshall, why are all three of your favorite museums right next to your house? <laughs> because I don't get it. Because I don't travel. Oh. So, you've never been to museums outside of like... Yeah, I've been to the LA. Louvre. I've been to the Dorsey. Uh, okay. I, the only places I the hope... Met. I haven't been to the Met and I haven't oh. been to the Smithsonian. I haven't been to... There's, I haven't been to the, the Prague and the, the Tate. Great museums all over the world. Yeah. Maybe if I ever travel, that would be the reason. Yeah, okay. Got it. You didn't mention the Wildlife Museum. Oh, the Wildlife Museum in uh, Jackson, uh, Museum Wyoming. of the National Museum of Wildlife. Yeah, in in Jackson, Wyoming. That's that's the one that came up on the James Gurney episode, right? Yeah, I got to teach animal drawing at a place near there, and then that's what we did a field trip to. I could not believe some of the great work in there, some sculpture. Uh, I loved that, but I've only been once in Jackson museums. Museum junkies, pardon. You've been to the one in Jackson? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that. You took pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. For me, but you seemed like you were running. Were you running when you did it? I was there for an hour. So, yeah, Christian went there. I, I didn't have any pictures from it. And Christian was in the area. You were maybe a, a, an hour or two away from it. I was driving through the Tetons and yeah. it was on, on my way. And so I said, well, if you have a chance to go there, go there. And so he sent me a bunch of pictures, but they were all blurred like he was, like he was sprinting through here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think some of, them, some of them turned out okay. But. Some of them turned out okay. There's a museum of Jurassic technology in LA that's an old house that's multiple stories. And you go in and it's, it's got old stuff like you know, the beginnings of x-rays and old hypodermic ne needles and, and, and... So, they're just being cute by calling it Jurassic? Uh, yeah. By Jurassic, I think all they mean is old. Yeah. Old technology. It's a dusty, musty museum, but I've only been once. A student told me, you've got to see this place and treated me to go. I would go back again. It's like going into a haunted house. It's a darkened environment. And there's mirrors around there and, you know, apparitions of, of strange things. When technology was changing to where you could do stuff like x-rays and, and photograph your aura. Yeah, it's, uh, it's worth a trip to. What about you? What about your, your, uh, tr the museums that you've seen that you were most excited about? You've been to museums in Russia. So, yeah, in Russia, I went to... Three museums, but two of them I really, really like. There's the Russian State Museum, mm -hmm. and then there's the Trechikov Gallery. Mm -hmm. And both of them were filled with exactly what I like. It's, it's my type of art. Right? Like it, they didn't have as much of that like older European art, mm -hmm. you know, where everything is like super polished and soft. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. I appreciate it, but it, it, you know, I just really like more of the the bolder and like illustrative. Not illustrative. This is more more 19th century and, and mm -hmm. early 20th century. Then, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it it had like Repins. Yeah. And Serovs, like you know, just right. all the all the Russian painters that people uh, that really era liked. where they were just yeah yeah exploding with um, great paintings. And so many like large, amazing paintings. Huh. Just yeah. I, I could 
I could live in those museums. So, you understand then? Yes. We have this in common now. Yes. I oh. wish it was in oh. Southern. If, if those museums were in San Diego, I would probably be there yeah. constantly. Do you know anything about the Hermitage? Yeah, I went to the Hermitage. Okay. I didn't enjoy it as much because it was more of the, the, the older European, stuff. the older yeah. European stuff. Okay. And there were some things I was like, holy crap. Like, I think that was the one where they had this giant paint. It was like 18 feet or something of like this big ocean scene. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Yeah, there's there some amazing things, but the majority of it I was, you know, starting to get bored with. Yeah. You know. Well, Stan, what we have to look forward to, those of us lowbrows who mm -hmm. love. Who get bored with all Who art. love <laughs> comics and illustration. <laughs> book illustration, yeah. movie concept art. Mm -hmm. You know what we have to look forward to, don't you? Oh, you you talking about the one they're building? The, uh, the George one they're Lucas? building right near the Natural History Museum. So you just get, you just Ooh. park yourself right there at the I'm, Coliseum, like the Natural that. History Museum, USC, and the, the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Art, mm -hmm. which LA got it. He offered it to other places, I think Chicago, I think San Francisco, LA said yes. Some people were not altogether pleased that LA said yes, saying yes to a museum of narrative art because it... Because... It, <laughs> right? Well, well Is I, that why? the thing with the nose and the sound like that, I, <laughs> I was going to say, some people say that it, it what's the word, brings down the... the do you want me to speak, do you want me to be more mature than these, you know, uh, what's me, the word? Let me tell you my opinion. Snobby. Um, first, first of all, let's define what we're talking about. Okay, the people who don't think that a there should be a museum on narrative art, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, they're, the, those are the ones I've Yeah, come it, 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 it sort of, I, I'm Why? For, Can you explain to us? No. Their point of view? I can't, but I can tell you this. <laughs> no? When, when it was announced that they were going to build this museum there, yeah. the LA Times, a Sunday LA Times, I don't remember who the, the writer was, wrote a lengthy article mm -hmm. about why it wasn't a good idea because of its effect of art on art. And I read it and I understood it mm -hmm. and it broadened my mind a little mm -hmm. and then I snapped right back to... He's got Norman Rockwell's and N.C. Wyatt's. <laughs> he, he has got yeah. Howard Pyle originals. He has collected more of the great illustration. That, and he cared about it enough to do this and then spent a billion dollars to build a museum so that we can go there. And when it opens up, I want to live in that little corner between the Natural History Museum and the Lucas Museum. Are you going to move there? No, I'm not going to move there. But I, I want to spend... Days at a time, you could build a whole art education for illustrators and narrative artists, storytellers. Mm -hmm. You could build a whole uh, curriculum around a museum that has a collection like that. Each one of those paintings is going to be a window into a school of art. Where do they get their training? Who was this for? How did they make their money? Yeah. Uh, what was the story? What, how, what was the story's relationship to culture? What kind of craft did they use? They were all pre-digital. Uh, how do we translate this now to where we're working faster and with more forgiveness and changes all the way to the end? There's just a whole rich education to be had in a in a museum of narrative art. And I don't know of any other museums. Of I have an art. idea. Tell me. You put out like a uh, a little audio episode where 
it's a step-by-step it's a series of clips where they listen to it and there's instruction on how to do it so instead of pdf it's just audio instruction yeah and they as they're going to the museum they listen to the first part and then they say and then you say okay now go explore and at two o'clock listen to part six (laughs) and then they go and they do it and then they listen to part six and you tell you guide them through the next section of it yeah i didn't like how you did my voice there though that wasn't your voice yeah yeah well it was just like a a museum curator's it it was just like a a guided thing yeah i'm very interested in that but do you uh, think it's possible well i'm going to leave that up to you or whoever's in our audience who says i know some people there so i'll leave it up to that yes it is possible Uh uh-huh yeah, but Stan's like oh. saying like a general framework that could be applied yes. to anything. Oh, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Not specific one for like the Getty. And here Marshall's going to like tell you how to do this Getty thing. No, just like a framework of how to go to a museum. Good idea. And it's a step by step. They, yes. you know, come back at two o'clock and now I'm going to give you more instructions on what to do based on what you had experienced. This is a guide to how to go to any museum. Any museum. And it would give you the spectrum of how you can do it fast or slow, how you can zero in on something, how you can yeah. learn about the art history part of it, how you can examine technique, who to go with, who not to go with. Yeah, you kind of start that probably in the beginning. Yeah. All these like general mm-hmm. tips on how to, how to prepare for this trip. Yes. And then when they get there, you're still guiding them. Yes. And then you zero in on questions, questions exactly. for painters, questions, questions for, for draftspeople, questions for people who are it, putting together art galleries. Yes. I imagine when they're at the museum, you would mostly just be asking them questions to begin discussions with their friends. Yeah. Did I ever tell you on this podcast, I think I did, about the design teacher who, when I asked him about his education, only told me one way that he got about how uh, uh, he got his education in composition, particularly about lights and darks, the use of lights and darks? He went to a museum. He had a teacher who took them to the Norton Simon and with a piece of paper, he had three columns. One is which painters put most of their information in the light areas and let the shadow areas bleed together, if not into a single tone to unify, to weld it all together with shadow into few tones, but without a lot of information in them that defines form. Okay. Then there's the column of the ones who put their information in the shadow areas. Okay. And let this the sounds very specific. Together. Yeah. I mean, you, you could do this sort of like, which artists do this, which artists do that to like a thousand different things. Yes, you could. But in this instance, that's first column is information in the light area, shadows hold together. Uh-huh. Information in the shadow areas. Andrew Wyeth has done that sometimes. The shadow areas are filled with detail. The light areas hold together almost as a, a bleached out graphic shape. And then the final column was... Painters that put the information more or less equally into both. And he said the first column was most of the painters. The second column was a significant number of painters and hardly any of them were in the third column. And we use that as a lesson in composition that you are either a daytime person where you get most of your work done during the day and at night you dream, you go into another world. Or you're a nighttime person who stays up and the daytime bleaches out to you, but very few people can be nighttime and daytime people at the same time because they exhaust themselves. And so there is this echo of this in how you treat lights and darks as daytime and nighttime. Here's where the activity is. Here's where you're going to get a chance to rest. And because I always put all the detail I could put into the high end of the halftone areas and into the shadow areas, that was the first time I ever got an insight into why 
my drawing was so exhausting to look at. I had never considered that division that you shouldn't stay up all a, night. Is this and a stay lesson on composition? Yes, it or is. Or are you trying to make a comment about museums? I'm trying to make a comment. On, it is a lesson on composition. Okay. And it is a lesson that in one, when I had one 20 minute conversation uh -huh. with a person who taught composition and I asked him, how did you learn it? That was the only story he told me. Okay. So it was pivotal to him and it happened because a teacher didn't explain that mm -hmm. to him, put the students onto the task in the museum to say, do this research in this museum. And the Norton Simon is great for it because the Norton Simon is almost all 19th century and previous. So it's at that classic European tradition of painting. And there's, there's stuff from the US in there too. But they're all done in that, that rich separation of lights and darks. So that would be, I'm bringing it back to what you uh, mentioned that brought this up, is that would be an example of something you could do in this museum, especially if you know that that collection exemplifies a particular kind of art. Here are some yeah. questions to get insight into that kind of art and questions to apply it to your own. Mm -hmm. We're at like the top of the mountain. Do you see that? Do you know what that's called? Yeah. That's the City of Angels. Los Angeles. Angeles. No, don't say that! <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> what? What is it called? What is it called? It's called Los Angeles. No, it's museum. Museum. Oh, yeah, okay. So when we were, we brought, I brought my kids and my wife. Melissa, mm -hmm. Cooper, Quinn. That was my favorite part of the uh, of the trip. What is uh, your kids? Yeah, and I was hoping that I would be able to capture some of Cooper's impatience. Uh -huh. right? Like I knew it was like, okay, we're going to a museum. This uh -huh. four year old's gonna hate it, uh -huh. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I I think I underestimated how much to the point where we didn't even capture it because we walk into the first room. And like, I turn around and they're gone. Uh -huh. Like a few minutes into us talking about some art, they're gone. I didn't uh -huh. even get to pick up Cooper and show him a painting. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the hell? Where did they go? And I call Melissa and he's like, ah, Cooper, Cooper was bored. He wanted to like, go oh. outside. So Cooper pretty much just spent the whole day outside playing in the grass. Yeah. They found friends there. He was just. He was just playing. So it worked out okay. But I was it worked out okay, but it was he was gonna go in there and be riveted by it and just yeah. amazed at the sculpture and state of childlike enchantment. I just I really appreciate the no filter that, you know, four year olds have. I do too. And, you know, you, you show them something that adults think is like this grand, beautiful piece of royalty or what i don't yeah. know whatever it's all this... they can do is say poo poo <laughs> yeah they're like yeah afterwards i asked him like what did you think and he said he drew a lot of pictures <laughs> so cooper did you see the art inside the museum yeah yeah what did you think it was good it was good yeah are you are you sure yeah what did you like about it he was he was drawing pictures drawing what he was drawing a lot of paintings. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
So, so Cooper thought it was all done by all one person. All just done by Getty. Yeah. Yeah. He's an artist. Yeah. I never thought of that. Why well, you name it by? If you name the museum after somebody, he didn't know the name. He just thought it was like there, some yeah. person's house or something. Yeah. Okay. You have a lot of pictures. <laughs> Good. <laughs> then finally, we met up with Cooper again, and that's and when the Quinn, show began. And then you, you clearly favored my daughter over my son. Oh, no, did I? Did I? I didn't, I didn't oh, mean, yeah. You literally were like, I am feeling... Been won over? Or I have... No, I have... Uh, stricken? I have preferences. Did I really? <laughs> I didn't say yes, that. You, did. you said something along those oh, lines, like, I am definitely brutal. feeling a preference right now. <laughs> like, I think I do remember that. Cooper that was because Cooper was pulling my ears and... And, and Quinn and, was just giving yeah, you a big smile. Around, so, yes, yeah. And Quinn was real favorable, yes. I think I can stand strong. I think I can do it. <laughs> oh, this brings back... Brings back the memories, <laughs> the memories of parenthood that I have missed so much Hi. at certain moments. Are you sure? That's thirty sarcasm. seconds a day. Thirty seconds a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, now, okay. Now, Quinn's moment. Quinny has a different energy. You sure do. Cooper, seriously. She's saying hi. 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 Hi, my name is Cooper. What a, what a preference. What a preference I'm feeling right now. I got I did not expect to experience here. It's just amazing how a whole different set of emotions wells up in me. Yeah, but that's where the fun began. Yeah. That's probably where we should have started and just kept it there all day. Yeah. Well, Stan, I would like to personally thank you for tolerating a trip to the museum oh, for the yeah. Draftsman podcast, which was something that you did not want to do and I did want to do. And my we'll hopes we'll for it, it. I think we should. I think Charlie we should will, do this. Will you said no. Add his magic and this yeah. will be a good experience for well, Now I've listeners. learned to listen to Sprinkles you. Fairy dust. <laughs> Voila, everybody. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. Glad that we could do this podcast for you. Glad we could get through this podcast for you. Everybody came out intact. Yeah, don't worry. It's almost over. Yeah. There's only two more left. <laughs> it's like a prolonged death. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marshall. We got two episodes. Two episodes left. What do you want to do? Two episodes remaining and only one topic. What's the topic? Creativity. Creativity. Well, you should think we'd do something bright with that. <laughs> we were very creative in figuring out a topic. Okay. See you then. Charlie, this is for you. It's an apple from the tree. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. Are we going down mm. to the ground or are you going to film here? Oh, never mind. There's nothing down there. Mm. <laughs> You're not supposed to be eating while I'm doing a podcast. Yep, we established that, and you you leaned all in on the apple. So, mm -hmm. I think Charlie might have a point. Mm -hmm. <laughs>